And God who burns the chariot with fire Lord of hosts, you're with us With us in the fire With us as a shelter With us in the storm You will lead us Through the fiercest
thank you, thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. Wow. Yeah, my little sweetie lies over the hill. How's that? Well, really, he's looking down from heaven today. But, you know, this is like coming home. It's just sweet to be here with everybody today and lots of familiar faces. I'd say old faces, but they're not old. They're just familiar. So, um, you know, it's always a smorgasbord, kind of like Bob did when, when he would speak. He had lots of things to say, and so do I. But I just want to say the worship team was awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. And you know what? I was the last song you were singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Was that amazing? Did you feel the presence of the Lord here? And you know what I was saying? A few years ago, it was like, I think in 15, the Lord, um, the Lord woke me up and said um, that he was coming. He said, um, well, I got to get this right now. Hang on a second. Oh, what is that word? Um, yeah, well, it's a senior moment. Hang on a second. He said, rigor mortis has set into the body of Christ. And he said, I'm coming to kiss a bride that's alive, not one that's dead. Okay? <laughs> so, so anyhow, he said I had to take that word to the church that morning. I thought, oh, Lord. You know, and I was planning on going to Morningstar, you know. So, anyhow... Then he woke me up a little bit later, and he said, uh, he was singing this song to me. It's, it's called Surrender by Elvis Presley, okay? And really, it's a love song because Elvis, of course, is singing it to his, his girlfriend, I'm sure. But, you know, it's, will, will we surrender all of ourselves to the Lord? That's what the song was. You know, and he doesn't repeat anything. It's just one, you know, one, whatever you call it, verse. So... Anyhow, so I laid my fleece that morning. I'm like, oh, Lord, he told me to take this message to the church, and I'm going to Morningstar. And I'm not saying that they're dead, but this is what he was saying to the body of Christ. So I told the Lord this, you know, that day before I walked out the door, I said, Lord, if this is really you, and I've got to bring this word, please let that song be playing on the radio when I get in the car. Ha-ha. Thank God for serious radio and Elvis Channel 19. So... I got in, I started the car, and I pushed the button, and that's the song that was playing. I'm like, oh no, no fear. Perfect love cast out fear. So, <laughs> so I went to the church, you know, and I'm like, oh please. They used to ask Bob what he was going to talk about. They don't ask me. They just kind of like, okay. Oh, that was bad news. So anyhow, they said, just sit in the green room, and then... You know, you can give the word. Didn't ask me what it was. I thought, oh dear. But that was it. See, the Lord is coming to kiss a bride that's alive. He doesn't want someone that's already dead, right? Rigor mortis had set in. He wants a bride who's alive. And I see that alive here in this church. You know, I was here Friday night. I didn't know you started those meetings Friday night. That is awesome. And there's such a presence, a sweet presence of the Lord here. You know, and the worship team, I loved it. You know, I love to see the older generation, I know you're younger than me, but the older generation, you know, they still got it going on. Okay? All right. And the little gal that sang, she's got such a sweet little voice, right? We're missing one generation in there. You need one more person of kind of a... Well, not my age, but somebody younger. Okay, and we'll wrap it all up. But that was awesome. Just keep up the good work. I was talking to Joe, 
And, you know, I said, the Lord had told me that um, there's still songs being written in heaven, like Keith Green. He's still writing songs, but God isn't releasing them because he hasn't found people worthy to release them to. Because the musicians want to take credit for themselves. Okay? And God wants people who are going to honor him and give him the glory. And that's what I saw here today. It was all about the Lord. So I'm, I'm praying that Joe will receive songs from heaven and he'll release them. Okay? And not just Joe. There's other musicians and people who have a voice that God wants you to come out of hiding and release what he's given to you. Okay? All right. Well, I had to say that to say, huh. well, seven years have passed. I am so glad that I'm here today and not in the hospital room like I was seven years ago. Uh, that was a real difficult time. But uh, the one song you were singing too, you know, we're all going to recognize the Lord. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. In Bob's death experience in 1975, the message the Lord gave him was, did you learn to love? Because every person will stand before the Lord, and that's the only question he'll ask you. Did you learn to love? See, love is a person named Jesus. Did you learn to become like my son Jesus? Okay? Now, we, live, we should be living all of our life trying to measure up to that standard. But when we're born again, years, years ago the Lord told me he was really upset because people are using his name in vain. And I thought, I thought he meant, you know, they say his name. But he said they're calling themselves Christians, and they're not. Because to be a Christian, you're taking my name, but you're not living like I lived. A sacrificed life, you know, surrendered life doing the things I did. So that put it in a different perspective for me. But um, in Bob's death experience, he said there were two lines that went into uh, eternity. And the one line, the one he was in, was going into the heart of Jesus. You know, Jesus was there and he was white light and his eyes were like pools of never ending blue waters. But the other line that was coming out of darkness was going into eternal darkness. Yet each of those people, in their own expression, they saw Jesus. And they expressed that, yes, he is Jesus. Somebody told me about him. But see, they never received Christ. We can't wait till we die and then do it there. You know, we have to do it while we're here. Okay? So I would say to you, don't waste any opportunity that you have, okay? Because it could be somebody's last day on this earth, you know? The, the night that Bob was passing, there was, I almost wanted to leave him to go down the hall to minister to, it was a woman, I just heard her screaming and screaming, and I knew the demons were tormenting her. See, she was dying too. And I, all I would pray, because I was not going to leave Bob, but I said, Lord, send somebody to her. Send somebody to her to witness to her. You know. But we have to take every opportunity. And, you know, you are the prophet of your own life. You know, the things that you say, the words that you speak about yourself, they will come to pass. 
So keep a bridle on the tongue unless you're going to say something good. If you have opportunity to, to share Jesus with anybody, you know, don't waste that opportunity. I know a lot of times the Lord has sent me on, I just call them journeys with Jesus. You know, I mean, recently he, did, he said, get in the car and start driving north. I'll tell you where to go. Well, north is, I could end up, you know, at the Canadian border. I wasn't sure where I was going, you know. So I packed warm. <laughs> and I wasn't sure how long I was going to be gone. But I was telling these young men here today, so, you know, I go prepared. I take blow dryer and extra things because I don't know if I'm going to be in a tent or a cabin or someplace, you know, I don't even know if I'll have electricity, I don't know. But he, he ends up putting me in good places. Uh, long story short, it's just a matter of, of faith and going, hearing God's voice and going. So, you know, I'm on this journey heading north. And he did say, you know, that night after I was on the road, I would spend that night in the mountains of West Virginia. And I'm like, oh boy, it's a big state, <laughs> big mountains, where's that? You know, but the Lord will always confirm, you know, things that he's saying and doing and directing you, and he will always be with you, you know. It's a matter of us moving into a greater level of faith right now. Faith and trust, okay, and obedience. To me, it just goes in one, one hand, it's one complete circle. We have to trust the Lord living by faith, okay, and being obedient to what he calls us to do. So, all right. Well, let me get on with um, what the Lord was giving me for you today. I get on lots of bunny trails, but they're usually good ones. What was I going to say about Bob today? Did I, somebody asked me about something. I said I should probably share that today. Oh, just Bob stories. Well, I could tell you how he proposed. You want to hear that? Yeah. Oh, that guy. You know, he had the anointing. He liked to lay hands on people. He really did. But with me, it was the laying on of the lips. <laughs> <laughs> Honest, the first day I met him at his house, that's what he did. I'm like, oh, for real. You know, I mean, the, there were couples at the house, and, you know, he invited me to come for ministry, you know, for Bible study, I thought, and um, any, <laughs> so we, so we had our Bible study, and then we went to lunch, and you know what, he tricked me, because I went to the bathroom as soon as I got to the restaurant, when I came out, the only place to sit was beside Bob, <laughs> right, <laughs> and then during the dinner, he gave me a little piece of paper with his name and his address and his phone number. He told me I could call him any time. I said, ha, I can't get that desperate because I didn't call men. You know, my stepdad, my uncle, my uh, two brothers, and my son. That was it, one hand, nobody else. Yeah, so I could call him. Well, then we went back to the house. There was a group of us. We went back to the house. We're sitting there, we studied a little bit more, and then the couples began to get up to leave. Aha. Uh -huh. So, he was sitting, he had steel knees, it was hard for him to get up, so he's sitting there, and he didn't get up, but the men would walk over and shake his hand, tell him goodbye, and the wives would bend down and give him a kiss on the mouth. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh, not me, uh-uh, <laughs> not me. So. 
I, I started to pack all my stuff up. This made me nervous. I'm packing my stuff up, and he starts to get up, and I'm like, no, no, Mr. Jones, you don't need to do this. And he said, no, I want to. I thought, this is bad. So, <laughs> so I walked over, and I thought, I can kiss him on the cheek. So I offered a cheek, but he just planted lips, you know? Yeah, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I, I, did, I was like stomping out of the house going, that dirty old man, how could he do this to me? You know, I was violated. I was violated, you know. And it's like two weeks later, I guess I was at his house, and, and he said, um, I asked him if he ever took dating 101. And he said, nope, I'm too old. I said, <laughs> I said, well, these lips are preserved from my husband. He said, yep, I know. I said, well, you have no business <laughs> kissing him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he said, faint hearts, never won fair maidens. And I'm like, oh, that was Robin Hood. Anyhow, but he would sneak up on me at church at Morningstar. And, um, you know, if you're standing like this and, and somebody comes up and put their arm around you, you look to see who it is. Uh-huh. A look was a kiss. So, <laughs> but anyhow, long story short, New Year's Eve, uh, this was of 05, Yep, he invited me to dinner, and where's Mary? I had to borrow Mary's mother's car, because I didn't have a car. I borrowed a car to pick him up, and oh my gosh. So at the stop sign right by the house, he said, so what do you think? I said, about what? He said, you want to get hitched? <laughs> I said, oh my gosh, I feel like a horse being tied to a hitching post. <clears throat> So I didn't answer him for about 20 minutes. When we got to the restaurant, you know, then I said, the question you asked me at the stop sign, the answer is yes, because I knew the Lord had told me that Bob Jones would be my helpmate. Now, surrendered, what, what were we talking about earlier? <sighs> okay, crying out to the Lord. <laughs> I had said, uh, you know, the Lord told me to read everything I had regarding Bob Jones because I, for years I had dreams and visions and like these experiences with Bob. And when I read that, actually it was like May 5th of that year, I wrote, um, I heard the Lord say, Bob Jones will be your helpmate. And I said, Lord, if it's your will, I accept, however, it's not mine. And I said, but when will I study with Bob? So that was May all right. See, I was saying, your will, Lord, not mine. So that was one time. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, of course, I knew then that I was going to be Bob's wife. You know, I had to ask the Lord, forgive me, because I didn't know, you know, I love Bob like I could love you. Now, Tom, I know you, so you know what I mean. I, I, I love Bob like I love Tom, you know, but I didn't love Bob like I should love somebody I'm going to marry. So I said, teach me how to love him like I would a husband. And then, um, and then I would look at Bob and I thought, mm -hmm, I know, but I don't think he knows. I was wrong. <laughs> he knew I was that woman that the Lord sent him. But, but, you know, there are times in our lives when we need to really say to the Lord, we always want his will for our life, right? And there are times I really cried out to the Lord. Uh, one was before Bob and I got married. <laughs> it's about two weeks before, I was just, I just wanted Jesus. You know, a man would complicate things. I just wanted Jesus. So I was really just in this, well, I know it sounds funny, but it's true, it was me and Jesus. You know, what, what, I don't care who, it was Bob Jones or Billy Graham, I mean, I wanted Jesus. So I'm crying 
gut-wrenching till there were no more tears. I just couldn't cry anymore. And I said, Lord, I want your will, not mine. So it's like two weeks later, we were married. And I knew walking down the aisle that day at Morningstar that Bob couldn't complete his walk without me. And I just, nothing special about me. I'm the one God chose to finish out Bob's life. But So he couldn't finish his walk without me. And I couldn't come into my destiny where he wanted me to be without Bob. So, see, God put us together. So that was the second time, you know, that was my gut-wrenching time. But I wanted God's will. Now, I could have said no, right? I could have let Bob standing at the altar in his tuxedo. <laughs> oh, boy, I'd probably be kicked off the planet. And then the other time was Super Bowl Sunday of... Um, 2014. See, Bob, it was like five weeks in the hospital, and you know, anyhow, it was hard to watch him go through what he what was happening with him. But you know, I just couldn't. I wanted to cry, and I couldn't cry. But I just cried out that day. I just cried out to God, and I said, you know, finally, you know, you cry too. There's nothing left. And I said, God, I want Your will for his life. You know, it's like I, I was letting go of Bob so he could, if the Lord wanted to take him home, because I wanted Bob to be better. I wanted to bring him home. I was trying to get him home, but that was never God's will. So it was time for him to go, and, and he's there, and we're here. So he's completed his walk, and we've got ours to finish. All right. Hallelujah. Okay. So, all right. I've got lots of Bob stories I could tell, though. Don't ever propose and ask somebody if they want to get hitched. <laughs> I was expecting, you know, Atlanta burning in the background, Clark Gable sucking up what's-her-face's face, you know. <laughs> yeah, do you want to get hitched? No. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, oh, goodness. Yeah, when, when the Lord said I would study with Bob Jones, I didn't know he meant... Uh, Bob said he meant go steady with me the rest of my life. I'm like, right, okay. So anyhow, but here, I asked the Lord today, you know, I wanted something specific. Everybody needs a specific word, right? Now, I think this is specific for you, but it can also be a general word. But this is what the Lord gave me for you here today. He said, tell the people I love them. And I've called them to be a light in a dark place. Now, there are three things, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the whole thing, and then I'll go back. The new wine is about to be poured out, and they must not only be partakers, but distributors as well. Yes. You know, I just look back at the clock. It's 11-11. God is stretching forth his hand the second time. Oops, it now just turned. Government of God. He's establishing. Okay. 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 All right. Then he said, I'm lifting my hands this day and pouring forth the new wine. Now drink and partake from the master's table. Okay, so I'm going to go back over that. For those three things, tell the people that he loves you and that he's called you to be a light in a dark place. You know, I was thinking that beacon of light on the hill, but you kind of sit down. You're on a mountain, but you're kind of down in the valley, but you know that light can go out very far. You know, it's going to be a beacon of light. Recently, I had a dream where I saw there was an alarm. It was like a bank alarm that went off. Did you ever hear a bank alarm, how loud that can be? 
but no one paid attention. That was a sad thing. No one paid attention to what was going on. But I believe God is releasing a sound from heaven to release on this earth. But if we are busy with all the things that we can be busy with, you know, we're not going to hear it. We want to hear the voice of God as he's releasing that sound. As I said, like for Joe, there's, there's songs that's going to be released. There are words that God wants to speak to his friends. But if we aren't listening, if we're so busy, if we've lost our focus, America has really, I think, lost their focus. Yeah. Actually, long ago, we're just seeing results of it now, but we've walked away from the Lord in a great measure. You know, we've embraced, when, one of the things, when, when, Bob, when Bob got the revelation from the Lord two days before he died back in 1975, there were three things the Lord talked to him about. Like this ball of light came in his car and spoke to him. Out of this light came the voice and spoke to him about um, abortion, how abortion pills were going to be perfected, okay? And um, homosexual disease and how many people would die from it. He gave him numbers and each year it would increase and there'd be no cure. He said, if you don't want the disease, don't partake of the sin. And the other thing was about two cheap me um, um, what do they have? drugs, yeah, drugs, that they would mix together and they call them narcotic, and they would create these meth labs. Well, those are things that America has embraced. We have really turned away from godliness, and we're embracing lawlessness and ungodliness. So, you know, we have, as a nation, I believe we have lost our focus, and it's up to the church to stand in the gap and, and pray. Prayer, I believe, prayer and walking in love, I mean, unconditional love, can turn this nation back to godliness. But it's not going to be one person. It's going to be the body of Christ, okay? All right. Now, I said the new wine is about to be poured out, and they must not only be partakers, but distributors as well. You know, I like to take communion every day. Barbara and I, she's with me this weekend. We've taken communion together. Bob and I used to take communion all the time. There's great power in that communion. There's healing that takes place. I'll tell you, Bob had absolutely no pulse in his right foot. They wanted to amputate. They wanted to amputate to the knee. And I'm like, you aren't cutting anything off of my husband. You know, I might, but you can't. <laughs> but no, I said, they, they, had, they called me, they made arrangements for him to have his right leg amputated to the knee. I'm like, no, no. We took communion, we prayed over that foot, and one day it gushed blood. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what is this? But see, he got a pulse and that blood was gushing. Okay, see, there is power, resurrection power, in the blood of Jesus. Okay, we want to partake of his body and his blood. We want to receive his blood, but that new wine, we need to share it with others. If we're just gulping it in ourselves, what good is that gonna do? Like when in Bob's death experience, the lady that was directly in front of him, she was 93 years old and crippled from bitterness. She had arthritis really bad. 
And the Lord said to her, did you learn to love? And she said, only you, Lord. See, when you stand before the Lord, this thing can't think. It's out of your spirit that speaks. So she said, only you, Lord. And he said, yes, because she became widowed very young. And she went to church. She loved the Lord, but she never shared his love with anybody. So see, we've got to be giving out. What we get, we've got to give to others. We get that new wine, okay? Take a sip and pass it on, okay? Now he said, I'm lifting my hands this day and pouring forth a new wine. Now drink, partake from the master's table. That's how I always see myself as sitting right there at the table with Jesus, like one of the, the disciples, and eating of his flesh, drinking of his blood. I mean, it's just, the way he taught me is just very personal to me. Um, so this resurrection power, it's, it's uh, resurrection power, kingdom authority. And so I was asking the Lord about that, and the new wine, it's a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And, oh, I got a good one. I got to save to the end, though. Hang on. Okay. So it's the new wine, the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Who wants a fresh outpouring? Okay. Who wants more of the Holy Spirit? Okay, what are you going to do with it when you get it? Okay, okay, she's, she's on the right trail. Okay, all right. Okay, let's see. Let me see here. I put little tabs in my Bible so I remember where to go, but I forget where I'm at. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm fun to live with. I'm just, you know, a barrel of fun, laughs to myself. You know what? God is really testing our love, you know that? He wants to give us all of his love. I mean, we have it, we just don't re know how to receive it. But um, I won't tell you how old I am, but I could be like 007 or something. Anyhow, I was blessed with an 18-year-old grandson that came to live with me a couple months ago, right? He wanted to go to school at Morningstar and play basketball. So he came all the way from the great state of Ohio to live with Gammy. <laughs> now trust me, there's two generations in between there, I think, you know, and my goodness, I didn't, it's been 35 years since I had a teenager in the house, so wow, this was a test of love. What do I do? I mean, I love them to pieces, but I'm like, I wasn't used to what teenagers do or don't do, you know, so I'm sure he found me as like Miss Impossible. I wasn't Miss Congeniality. I was like, oh my gosh. You know, I think every time the kid breathed, I was like, no, we don't do it that way. We don't do it that way. This is where you need to do it, you know. He sent me a text last night. He said, what time are you going to be home tomorrow? I thought, ooh, maybe he's making me a nice dinner or something. You know, it dawned on me this morning. Yeah, I told him he had to have his laundry done before I got home. <laughs> I'm not as dumb as I look. Uh, I figured it out. It just took me a little while. But yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Okay, well, day of Pentecost, you know, they were mocking the new wine. You know, this, the wine that we are becoming, you know, God's been just squeezing us for a long time, you know. Has anybody felt squeezed? Yeah. So, <laughs> a couple gals, yeah. So, we are that new wine. You know, Jesus said he was going to, he wasn't going to drink of the wine again until, what, until he comes again? He's going to drink of that new wine, okay. He's pressing us so that we are that very finest wine 
you know, the world has not seen the wine that we're going to produce, okay? But it comes out of, it can come out of pain and suffering, you know? It can come out of things that, you know, seem impossible. But, you know, no matter what it is you're going through, remember, he is there with you, going through it with you. And oftentimes, he's... I'm going to say, he's allowed it or even made it happen to bring you to where you need to be. Okay? Okay. So, um, let's see. There's healing in that new wine. And in Luke 22:20, 20, it says, it is the new covenant. Okay? We're not under the law. We're under his covenant. And what is his covenant? I call it his covenant of love. Okay? Unconditional love. It's a time of miracles. Remember in John 2, the wedding at Cana? Okay, he said his time hadn't come. And his mother said, whatever he says to do, do it. Okay, fill those water pots, and they turn, it turned to wine. You know, and that's why I think now, the mother, I'm calling the mother of the church, is calling out and saying, Lord, it's time. We need that new wine. Okay, we need that new wine. We need everything that's in that wine, the power, the resurrection power in the wine. We need it. And he's coming with his hands outstretched to fill it. You know, we've been those old uh, wineskins, but the Lord wants to fill us with his new, fresh wine. Okay, the wine, that new wine brings intimacy with the Lord, like Song of Solomon. Do you ever picture yourself? You guys can picture yourself, too, as the bride you know, just Song of Solomon. She's just waiting there for him to come, you know, and then he comes to the door, right? So it's intimacy. It's a time of harvest, and we talked about that this morning. That new wine and the oil poured out for harvest. And that's where the, and we talked about that too, the plowman will, the reaper, plowman will overtake the reaper. Yeah. So we've got a lot of seeds to sow. You know, all seeds came from, the seeds of life came from the Father. And they will return, if redeemed, will return to him. Okay? He chose each one of us for this time. I thought, Lord, why? It's like the Lord showed me one time, the Father showed me a, a big seed bag. I mean, you couldn't believe how big the seed bag was. But one by one, he'd take a seed and toss it into, you know, to the earth. And I'm like, oh my goodness. But you know, there went Abraham Lincoln, you know. There went Martin Luther King, you know, Junior. You know, there was different people. There went Tom, you know. Different people for different times and seasons. And why was that? See, he didn't need me back there at the cross. He needs me at the cross today. But he didn't need me back when um, Martin Luther was nailing his thesis. He didn't need me then. He needed me now. Okay? And he needed you now. Because we all have an important role to play. I think of how many children have been aborted. You know? That blood is on a lot of people's hand. A lot of people's hand. Um... But God wants us, he sent each one of us at a certain time because we have a, a special role to play. You know, 
<laughs> funny story, and oh, I don't know if it's so funny, but anyhow, my mother, she had an encounter with these angels. And um, she called Bob, and she said, what is an archangel? <clears throat> he's in the airport, and Bob was hard of hearing, and he talked really loud. Okay, so I think all of Charlotte Airport heard <laughs> Bob explaining about angels to my mother. But she wanted to know what's an archangel because she had this archangel that came and talked to her. Now, there were other angels that came. There was two that came on one side of her bed and two on the other side. And they showed her, her well, it was like on the right side it was me facing the angels and my aunt who was a minister facing the other direction she had already gone home to the lord and on this side was my brother and his wife and they were holding hands they were facing the angels now my brother he's an ordained baptist minister but the lord told her the archangel bob said that i believe that was the lord it wasn't an archangel but i believe it was the lord but he began to tell her about us and he said from my brother, he, her name was Pauline, he said, Pauline, I wanted to send your son earlier, but you weren't ready. So I had to hold him back a few years. And I thought, gee, my brother would be older, which is true. But see, my mother wasn't ready. Okay, she had a lot of emotional, I'll say it that way, emotional problems going on. So... You know, God knew he would need my brother for now, not a few years earlier, okay? And he knew when my mother was ready. She wouldn't have been able to take care of him at that point. My sister and I, my little brother, we had to go live with grandparents for a while, okay? So God knew. He knows a perfect time and place for each one of you and what you're called to, okay? So it's time we begin seeking him and doing what he's called us to do, okay? We don't want to do what our neighbor's doing. Well, some of us do, you know? Some of us want to keep up with the Joneses. <laughs> uh, no, but you know what? We're seeking after other things. We're coveting what somebody else has or does, whatever. And that, you know, we've got to get over that. If you got it repent of it, and turn and go the right way. We as a nation need to get back to God, but we as a body of Christ need to get there first, okay? We can't turn a nation back if we aren't walking the right way. Um, but he, there's, God is doing a new thing. I'm just working on a book from a message Bob gave. It's called uh, The Awakening. And what he talks about then, he made this tape in 2010, and the things he talked about then are things that we're walking through right now because he talks about the rioting in the streets and he, he goes back to Obama because Obama was president then and things that Obama did and how it was going to affect the, the rest, the other generations. Um, and, and there's just a lot of things. He tells how people got off course, okay? And the one thing he said was the Lord put him on a boat and the boat had no sail, okay? And the, the Lord said to him, you, he says, why is there no sail? He said, it's because you've never been this way before. The wind of the Holy Spirit has got to blow us across that water. 
okay? So we really need to seek him. There's, the devil is out to distract us in every single way possible, but we have got to lean in, just like John did, lean in on the breast of Jesus and hear what he's saying and follow him, okay? Quit following all the voices that are out there. Um, Revelation 3.20, I want to read that. It's a time of the open door. You guys okay? Nobody fell asleep yet? Okay. Uh, Let's see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. He must love me a lot because he gives me some spankings here recently. Okay? And you know what? It's so I repent because he wants to pull all these yucky things out of me. The more he gets out of me, the more he can fill me with his glory. Okay? Uh, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcome and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Of course, he's talking here to Laodicea, which I believe we are that church age. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. And then immediately he was in the Spirit, and behold, he saw the throne. See, that's where we are. Jesus has been knocking at the door of our heart, you know. Have we opened our heart to him? You know, when we do, it's an open door. He wants us to come up and sit with him. You know, the day that Bob passed, we had a 4.1 earthquake. Uh, Yeah, down I think it was Columbia, I think is where the epicenter was. Anyhow, and that's what we said. Okay, it was the time of the open door. So it's that open door. It's being extended to us, you know, to come up with him and sit with him. So, okay, we must fulfill the Great Commission. So what is our Great Commission? Uh, We might find it here. I cannot quote like Bobby Connor. (laughs) Oh, gosh. You know, if you hear me quote something, I usually get it mixed up. And then it's like rewriting the Bible, you know. I mean, seriously, I'm like, I try. But it comes out all wrong. But you know what? I don't feel bad about it. I all but begged the Lord, please, you know, do something with my brain. I did. Please do something with my brain so I can remember, especially Scripture. I want to be able to quote scripture remember it and he said don't worry if you can't quote it just be it and I'm like whoa okay okay I can do that I think okay so great commission where are we here Matthew 28 16 to 20 so the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them and when they saw him they worshiped him but some doubted And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, see, he's given us all authority. We're supposed to go 
and do the greater works, not just the works, but the greater works. Uh, Matthew 22, 36. 36. Okay, they're asking him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that's this thing up here, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do we do that? The Lord's really worked on me. Love my neighbor. It's not just the person who lives next door, but... Okay, on these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. Okay. Okay, there's this guy, they just got into to arguing. <laughs> but, um, okay, now, the greatest thing we can do is love the Lord and try to walk in his likeness. Okay, we need to love our enemies, okay? I've been, I've been reading all week about love. I'm not going to read the love chapter, you know, in um, 1 Corinthians 13. I don't want to read that, but I think something that really is important is if you're alive and breathing, chances are you're going to have somebody that lies about you, uh, betrays you, you know, all those good kind of things that we never, you know, I, I remember thinking that everybody just loved me, right? And then the Lord surprised me with some people that came with big knives to stab me in the back. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this wasn't very nice. Why did I think that? Why did I say that? But he needed to prove to me that not everybody's going to like you. Okay, so, okay, Matthew 5, and where are we here? 43. Um... Okay, you have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, okay? But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends a rain for the just and the unjust. So see... Uh, I was sharing with my friend last evening, I said, there was a lady I used to work with that I, I really don't know why I didn't like her. I just didn't like her. And she didn't like me. It was very evident. You know, we just didn't, if we said anything, it wasn't nice to each other. Okay. So one day I just decided, I'm just going to, if I'm going to say anything, it'll be something nice. I'll compliment her. I'll make a point every day to say one thing nice to her and nothing negative. And I did, you know. And it took a little while, but, you know, after that, I can't say that we were good buddies, that we went to dinner and stuff together, but we were very nice to each other, very cordial to each other. And a couple years ago, my sister ran into that lady, and she said, how is your sister? You know, oh, my goodness, when she comes to town, please have her call me. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, really? You know, because... I knew she didn't like me, and I didn't like her. But you see, God did a work in both of us, okay? So, okay. Now, I don't know how much time we got. Got a little bit of time yet? Okay, okay. Well, pardon? Oh, well, <laughs> knowing me, I probably need a potty break after a while, so. 
somebody was asking me the other day, it was a lady friend, but she was saying like, what, you know, what is this? You know, the God, God said he'd restore my youth. And I said, he is. Yeah, he's taking you back, you know, do you wear depends? See? I mean, it used to be diapers, now it's depends, you know. Uh, don't, you know, you don't have your own teeth, you, you know, they fall out, so you have false teeth. And, yeah, I mean, he does, you know. <laughs> it's just in all the way you look at it. Uh, I know. <laughs> oh. Hey, look, we've got to have humor. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so, Shepherd's Rod this year. Uh, the Lord said to me that there, there would be fire in the bones of the believers. Okay, now, he's going to give us tough messages sometimes. Okay, and it isn't that you have to be standing up here to bring a tough message. It could be that you may need to tell that neighbor that you love, you know, that enemy that you've been praying for, you may need to tell them something, okay? If the Lord gives you a word to speak, he wants it spoken, okay? Because his words don't fail, right? All right, that's why we have to learn to bridle our tongue, hear from the Lord, know when he's speaking, or is it my flesh, okay? So we need to bring the words that he says. And it can make a real difference in somebody's life, but it may be a difficult word to bring. So sometimes, I mean, the Lord's really spanked me recently because he's given me some words, and I'm like, this doesn't sound like anybody else is saying these kind of things. And then I start doubting, Lord, is this really you? Is this just my flesh? Um, you know, I mean, I go down that bunny trail of, doubt and unbelief and then the Lord has to spank me and bring me back and like I spoke this to you it doesn't matter if you'd believe it I want you to speak it yeah. and I'm like aye aye captain he's the captain of the ship so okay so but the fire is like Jeremiah he the Lord gave him some really hard words to bring <laughs> he didn't want to bring them because what happened they kept putting him in the dungeon yeah and the dungeons weren't like the nice jails we have today, okay? So he was in the dungeons, and he said, I don't want to bring these words. But the fire is like fire in his bones. It burned until he brought the word. And that's what it's going to be for a lot of us, you know? It may be a family member. It may be somebody you don't know. It might be that person at Walmart that needs an encounter with the Lord. And God uses you to bring that word. So, but he'll give you the fire, he'll give you the power, he'll give you the authority. The Lord said, this year it's the power, there's power and authority, or power and might that's being released this year. It's not just this year, it continues, but he said the power is kingdom authority. All the authority Jesus had, so power is kingdom authority, while the might is a demonstration of that kingdom power. So see, when we release a word, that word has power, Okay, and it, if it's the word of the Lord, it's going to accomplish what he sent it to do. If it's your word, well, you might as well let it fall flat to the ground. But a couple years ago, the Lord showed me the Samuel anointing. And it was like that mantle was falling on the body of Christ. And that Samuel anointing is not one of his words fell to the ground. Okay, each one of us can receive that. Okay. But like I said, it's, we've got to learn to speak when the Lord wants us to speak 
and put a zipper on it when he doesn't want us to speak. You know, we need to discern not only right from wrong, but what is God and what is not God. Okay, Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the power and of his might. And that kingdom lives inside every one of us. Okay. Recently, the Lord showed me one scripture, and, um, and it was like I was looking on the internet at this scripture, and it kept scrolling through different um, uh, versions of the scripture, and it was Romans 8, okay, 8.8. 8. Now, I'm going to do something a little awkward. You know, uh, 8.1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, I want to go down here to 8.8, 8, and I'm going to read backwards, okay? Verse 8. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, that, the flesh, he's talking about things that are temptations of the flesh. And there's other... Um, chapters that describe what those temptations are. Okay, backwards. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit the things of the Spirit. Now I'm going to verse 3. For what the law could not do in that, it was weak through the flesh. God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh you will die. But if you, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, I did it backwards. It makes sense going forwards, but to me, it actually made more sense going backwards, okay, on some of those scriptures. We must come out of our living in our flesh, trying to satisfy our flesh. You know, we're human beings, and that's what we've been groomed to do all of our life. But the more you walk with the Lord, your desire should be more spiritual, geared toward the things of the Spirit, not the carnal, fleshly desires. And that's what I kept seeing, all these different versions of it. And I like to read in the Amplified. I don't have that with me today. This is New King James. But... I really like reading out of that because it kind of spells it out better too, but we need to come out of walking in the flesh and walking by the Spirit. Okay? Everybody got that? Okay. Alrighty. Did I ever tell you I wanted to get a Dolly Parton wig? <laughs> I did, like 
30 years ago. That's my flesh. <laughs> well, I had to break up, make, you know, while I'm looking for the scripture, just tell you something cute. Yeah, no, I did. I always wanted to get one of those dollar prints. She has so many wigs. You know, she said there's like nothing real about her, you know, but anyhow. <laughs> If we met her on the street and she didn't have all that stuff on, we'd never know who she was. And these are things she said, so I'm not, I'm just saying. But anyhow, so I wanted to get one of those big, you know, beehive hairdos and that white blonde hair. And, oh, well, long story short, so it came to COVID, and I had, you know, my hair always grows like a Gia pet. So <laughs> I've always had this, like, poofed up hair. So... I had to take the scissors to it myself, and I'm like, it's either that or a wig. And a friend of mine brought me a wig, and I thought, this is awful. Oh, my gosh. So I just took the scissors, and so this is my Dolly Parton wig. I, I, I sing, hello, Dolly. Here I come. Okay. <laughs> all right. All righty, right. So anyhow, last thing I want to say is, well, I like, I like our revolution you know, this is a revolution, isn't it? It's a revolution of the word of God coming. Okay. But Acts 9. Yesterday, Bobby and Carolyn Connor stopped over at the house to visit for a little bit. And I told them, I said, hey, you know, everybody's wearing the mask. Hey, how many enjoy wearing the mask? Everybody raise your hand that likes wearing it. Oh, there's no takers. Oh, come on. By golly, there was a $100 bill for those who did. <laughs> that was the flesh, okay, all right. <laughs> Pastor Dave was going to give it to you when he got back. All righty, okay. Well, anyhow, I told Bobby, you know, I mean, everybody's geared up with their man. I, I, I have mine hanging, you know, we used to have the little doodads hanging from the uh, rearview mirror. Yeah, uh -huh. now it's masked. Yeah, I hang mine from my little knob for the, I guess it's a radio, I don't know, it hangs there. But I get, I get up to the door and I forget the mask, I gotta go back and get it. Yeah, see, anyhow. But I told Bobby yesterday, I said, hey, we are, this is going to be de-mask us, okay? Demask us. Yeah, it's a time for Damascus. Okay, not just taking off the mask, but the road to Damascus, okay? That's why I think when the Lord started out this morning saying, okay, tell the people I love them, and I called them to be a light in a dark place. I think it's that Damascus Road experience that you guys are getting ready for because the Lord is going to demask his people. Okay, and they're going to experience, they're going to have that road to Damascus experience. And I think that's why he's going to burn the things out of us that we don't need. He may blind our eyes from the things of the world so we don't see that, but we have our eyes right on him and see everything that he wants to do. And then we will speak the words of the Lord. But, you know, you will be that. Look at Paul. Look what all Paul did. You know, he went from Saul to Paul, right? Yeah, so I think you're getting ready for to be demasked, okay? I saw Bob probably two, maybe three weeks ago. I saw Bob, he was dressed up so fine. He was getting ready to go to a, like a big event, you know? So in this dream, 
I was in my mother's house, which I knew that was, it wasn't really my mother's house, but in the dream it was my mother's house, and I knew it was the house of the Lord. And I came upstairs, and here's Bob in the one bedroom. And it's like, I don't know if we we're going to a banquet or a wedding or something. He just looked fine dressed in a, Bob didn't like to wear suits, but he was dressed up in a suit, and he's standing facing the mirror adjusting his tie. And then he turned to look at me, and he had, oh, his little white hair looks so pretty, but he had this mask right across here, not across his mouth, but across his eyes, like Zorro would wear. Anybody remember Zorro? Yeah. Out of the night. Yes. Okay. So anyhow, I was very little when that was on. Yes. But anyhow, so, but that's what he looked like. And I, I so he, he comes out and he said, they are going to be so surprised. And I thought, okay, I'm surprised about what? And then he left for a few minutes and he came back and he didn't have his mask on. See, he was demasked. Okay. So, um, that kind of mask, which I never knew, it's called a domino mask. It's kind of like they would wear to a masquerade party. You know, it's just, just your eyes are showing it fits right over your nose. But it's called a domino. And domino co comes from donimus, and donimus from the Greek word dunamis. So I think we're getting ready for the power of God to come to the body of Christ, that new wine, that new power being released, okay, the dunamis, as you're demasked, you're going to receive it. And they are going to be so surprised because, you know what, you are going to house the glory, okay? And as you walk down the street, the power of God is going to hit other people. One thing, in the shepherd's rod this year, and actually it was an experience I had on Day of Atonement the year before. I didn't have understanding of it till this year. But one of the things was that I saw Peter laying on, if like the Lord, I saw the Lord first. They just removed him from the cross and they were carrying him to, from, the, from the cross to the tomb. And then I saw Peter laying on his right side against a wall Okay, and people came toward him to be healed. And as they came toward him, the power of God, the glory of God touched them, and like they would roll backwards. People in the crowd were healed. And that's the same thing that you house. As you're demasked, as you take that steps of faith, God is going to work his power through you. But one thing I'll tell you, what the Lord tell, he tells me this many times, do not take the credit for what I am doing. It is me. Because if you take, if you take it, you'll lose it. Okay? So, okay, children. Anybody got any questions? Okay. You all ready to go out and conquer the world? Pray for our leaders. All right? All of them. Okay? I'm praying that God invades the White House. Okay? On Inauguration Day, I haven't said this to anybody, but on Inauguration Day, when I w went to write, I put the date, and I went to write, it came out, what I wrote was, Black Wednesday. And I thought, oh dear.
and I saw the flag, the American flag, hanging upside down. And I thought, this is not good. This is not good. And it was like at half mass. So I thought, you know, we are in a serious time in this nation. And I don't want to get into politics and all that stuff, but we are in a serious time in this nation. But we need to gird up our loins. We need to stand in the place just like Amos did. Amos stood in the gap and said, Lord, you know, I'm your friend. Please don't bring judgment against Israel, you know, they're just a small nation. Well, we're a small nation. And we need help. Our leaders need help. So pray for them. Pray for an invasion of the Holy Spirit into the White House, into our House and our Senate, into our Congress, and into the Supreme Court. Okay? Years ago, many, many years ago, the Lord would send me place to place. <laughs> praying to unseat the unjust judges. Well, I'm glad that a lot of them have been unseated, but we need some really righteous judges, ones who will uphold our Constitution. That's one thing Bob says in this, uh, The Awakening, is that, um, that our judges are corrupt, and they're trying to do away. He saw Paul, well, it wasn't Paul Revere, but he saw the, the light go on in the tower, and the horse and rider, and where Paul Revere, what did he call out, uh, the British are coming? Or, yeah, this time it's no taxation without representation. He said they're going to take your constitution. And that's exactly what is happening. So we must pray for God, open our hearts, stand in the gap, so that God returns to this nation. We've been shutting him out for so long, and we want him to come back. We want him to come back in our hearts. He's there, so let's do our part, okay? All right. Well, this has been fun. You all survived it, right? <laughs> hey, you know, I do have to tell you, there are a couple good things about wearing the mask. This is from my opinion. A bad thing is, I like to chew bubble gum, you know? But I only have to blow bu little bubbles in that. You can't blow the big ones. So, but look at the money I save on lipstick. You know? Yeah. I mean, and you can have, you can eat all the onions you want and nobody knows. You know? Just you. And it's terrible if you belch. I mean, it comes back at you. But, but I mean, for real, it's just, you know what I'm saying? So there's, we got to find, you got to find something positive about everything, right? So that's my positive. But, okay, well, I just want to pray everybody, okay? And then, then I'm going to say adios, amigos. Okay, all right. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your son Jesus and that he came and he did a work on the cross that brought us into a, a full unity with the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for the work that you're doing in us individually now and as a body. Lord, let that new wine come to this body here in Moravian Falls, that it will be that beacon of light on the hill. And that, Lord, I ask you for to demask your people, give them that road to Damascus experience, that they will be a fire and a glory that resonates out of this building. And everyone that comes here, Lord, would leave with the holy fire and fear of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Goodbye, children.